Welcome to the Human Experience Podcast, where we have folks of all different walks of life share any trials and tribulations. Through the sacred art of conversation and storytelling, we seek to open minds, shed light, and make our modern world feel a little less lonely, realizing that we are all connected, one human experience at a time. I'm your host, Aisha Billy. I'd like to welcome you to the show and thank you very much for tuning in. I hope you enjoy. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. I am so excited to have you here. This week on the show, we have Jared Rutley, who is an Australian friend of mine. I studied abroad with him in Germany at the German Sport University in Cologne. This episode is a very informal catch-up. Honestly, him and I haven't spoken in years. We studied together in 2016, and I don't think I see, I've see i seen him since 2018. He came to New York and visited for a bit. Um, by for a bit, I mean I got dinner with him. It was like an hour or two. So we really haven't chatted since then. It's a very informal um, episode. We kind of talk about what COVID was like in Australia. He um, dropped out of high school at 15, 16, and he didn't really return back to academia until he was older. So he was kind of a big, he is kind of a big reason, um, or rather a big pillar that I have recognized that like a lot of colleges like social constructs because I was, you know, 20 uh, when I met him doing my undergrad. And he was 28. And I remember being like, what? So I really, I really love the shit out of him. Um, We talk about just so much fucking shit. We reminisce about what study abroad was like. We talk about kind of like where he is at in life. And I kind of tell him about how, you know, we handled COVID here in the States. What I thought was fucking crazy that he said, well, they were on like uh, in Australia. He's in Melbourne. They were on, from what I understand, an incredibly strict um, lockdown to a point where I was like, how are they tracking this? How are they measuring this? And he was telling me that there is like an app that they had that would like track them and let them know if they had like contact and stuff, which is crazy. Like that is not not what we did here. Um, Anyway, I still have a lot of pride. I feel like at least New York, I feel like we did very well. But um, so, yeah, it's just an informal episode. of us just kind of catching up, reminiscing, and pandemic talk. I also want to say, um, the audio quality in the beginning is shit, and I'm gonna be honest, it's, it was one of my earlier episodes, and I didn't know what the fuck I was doing, so, <laughs> we all sort somewhere, right? He sounds great. I sound like a shit show in the beginning, um, just like, uh, audio quality-wise, and then, it does get better as you listen, so just bear with me in the beginning. I do apologize uh, for that poor quality. Lastly, lastly, I do want to share an announcement. Um, certain things are going to be changing on the podcast. The episodes are going to be getting a little bit shorter, kind of like 45 minutes. Also, did you know that you can listen to an episode faster? If you're on Spotify, you can listen um, 1.2 times speed. And Apple is goes straight to 1.5, which is kind of fucking fast for me, but maybe not for you. But 1.2 on Spotify, I do feel like is a really good sweet spot. Um, what else did I want to say? Yeah, things are just going to be changing. I'm probably going to have more solo shows and shit like that. I have a lot of thoughts that I want to share with y'all, and I have not been doing that. And that was my intention with starting a podcast. So yes, changes will be coming Keep an eye out for that. Anyway, without further ado, 
Let's get into it with my dear friend, Jared Rutley. Jared? Yep. You motherfucking crazy ass. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to see where this takes us and what kind of a journey we go on for the next hour and a bit or whatever. So. Yeah, absolutely. I It'll be like an hour or like a little under an hour. I probably should have told you that. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> We just like went about this as nonchalant and unfriendly as possible, just like talking on Facebook. How many, what's the hour difference? And then you were like, oh, we're 16 behind. And I was like, yeah, yeah. And then we scheduled it only to realize you're 16 ahead. And I totally could have researched that myself, but I was just like so fucking lazy for some reason. <laughs> no, that's okay. I, um, yeah, I'm not great with the world clock. So when I saw the plus 16, I figured it was, um, 16 ahead but it is what it is i have to tell you um it's with australia because it's it's more than a whole day like it's not more than an entire day 24 hours wise but it's longer than that 12 hour daytime nighttime division period you know what i mean yep yep yeah um all right anyway how the fuck are you man like what the fuck is up you're in melbourne right Let's tell the listeners where you are. Yes, correct. So Melbourne, Australia. Um, born and bred here, so hometown. Um, things are good. Back at work now, which is good. Um, things got a bit crazy there about the middle of the year. Um, from basically from March 2020 to about November, I think. October, November. Um, we were in a pretty serious lockdown. Um, as opposed to the rest of the country. So we went into stage four, which was basically everything was shut except for like essentials. You weren't allowed, you're allowed out of the house for an hour a day and then uh, weren't allowed to leave more than uh, five kilometers from your, your house. Um, and then, yeah, but we've come through it. I think things are starting to pick up. Things are starting to look good. So there's a few... Um, Cases and shit like that in New South Wales, Queensland, they're starting to pop up, but we'll let them worry about it. <laughs> we're, we're all good here in Melbourne. So. Wait, yep. okay. Wow. You weren't allowed out of your house for a fucking an hour? How did they track yep. that? Uh, so we had an app. It's called the COVID tracker app or something like that. And then they also had like police patrolling around. And so if you got pulled over or whatever, you had to show your ID and then they'd ask you a ton of questions and yeah. Although I never saw the police that often where I was living at the time, so. Um, They're not where you were at the time or they were? What's that, sorry? You didn't see the police because why? Oh, they just didn't patrol the area as often, I think. I think they were more interested in a few other areas out west. In the western suburbs and a little bit of the northern suburbs where the like what they called the hotspots which is where a lot okay. few of the cases were coming from um so i think they were, they were more interested in monitoring them and making sure that people weren't spreading the virus or anything like that so great so were, are you in the city of melbourne or are you out in the outs- outskirts in the suburbs uh so i stuck <laughs> So I had a bit of an interesting turn of events. So in October, I separated from my wife. Um, so I moved from the suburbs in October to the city 
So now I live in the city, have an apartment in the city of Melbourne. Um, but at the moment, due to work, um, I'm staying with my girlfriend in the northern suburbs. So I've sort of bounced around a bit in the last three months, okay. three, four months. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry about that separation. That's probably just such a nice little cherry on top of all this fucking shit show. <laughs> yeah, it was, um, I mean, it, it's all you can do is just sort of look back on it. So that's one of those things yeah. that our time came to an end with an expiration date. And it just happened to be in October 2020. So, yep. Totally. I actually was, I like, I don't want to go down this like tangent and rabbit hole, but I feel like it's kind of worth it in this moment. I was talking to a pal yesterday who, um, she actually went through a separation as well, like during quarantine and she was living in, you know, in, in a city with her partner. And when they separated all because of the work, uh, converting to like all remote here, yep. she was like, sweet all this is remote I'm gonna start traveling so she's out in Utah which is you know the uh western America and she's gonna go to Mexico from there and then California and she's doing all the national parks and stuff and we were talking last night on the phone and you know it was like one of those like weed conversations I don't really smoke like for some reason weed is just not my fucking drug but she was high off her ass and we were just in it and she was just like what do you think about like partnerships? Do you think we like, what do you think the destiny is that we have that one forever or we have one depending on whatever phases that you're at in your life. And then you just have them come in and out. Some stay for a while and some don't. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So when you just, uh, with the expiration, it really resonated. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's, um, I think that's definitely something that I've sort of reflected back on as well, that, um, even now, like you think about the life, your journey of your life so far and the people that have come in and out of it, um, like a really good example for the both of us would be the, um, exchange, uh, excuse me, the exchange, the, um, abroad study thing that we did in Germany in 2016. And you think about the time we spent with I don't know the exact figure, but it would have been 20 to 30 other students, other people from around the world. We got really close with. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like we would eat lunch every day, go out, have a beer, do whatever, cruise around the city or go on little adventures to like Barcelona or Hamburg or wherever else we went. And then... Like, I don't know how many you still keep in touch with, but I think there might be three or four for me. Um, yeah. They're, like, constant. Like, not, excuse me, not constant, but, like, have been consistently, that's the word I was looking for, have been consistently communication there for, what is it now, nearly five years, oh, coming up to five years. So, um, yeah, I definitely think there's something there with the people that come in and out, depending on the stage of your life and where you're at and what you're up to so I think Germany is such a key example and I have to tell you like I don't know about you and I kind of wish like life's work life worked a little bit differently where we can like have these like re reunions and reconnections so easily it's so hard for us in particular because we had the exchange program in Germany and then 
like the 20 to 30 who were like super tight within that group were basically from Australia, which is wicked far from the States. And then England, um, some of the folks were obviously German themselves. And I feel like that was like the clo- like the core of the group was all of those locations. And I can't believe like we're obviously older than we were then and the older and I'm still young like technically when you're still young technically I don't know if you feel that way you know but I can't express how much I missed those days and I don't mean that in the context of the pandemic I mean that in the context of life in general yeah 100% 100% I think I don't think there's been a day or a couple of days that go past where I don't think back to some random thing that we were doing in Germany. Or there might, like, a song comes on, you're like, oh, I remember when we yeah. played that in, um, what's it called? What was that place? Flora or whatever that nightclub was called. Um, Jesus Christ <laughs> in Flora. Dude, Flora was literally the city of sin. <laughs> Like, I just realized that too. It was also underground, right? It was like kind of a basement. Yeah. Yep. I think that was one of the, some added to the charm of it. It was just dingy underground, no windows, no nothing, just filth. And just the, yeah. give us four euros and we'll get your shit faced in two oh, hours. <laughs> that was so wicked, man. I would wake up with hangovers that like, Speaking of, I do think I destroyed permanently a part of my stomach lining that's their broad for sure. Like, there are days now where, like, I just can't stomach shit, and I always bring it back to that semester because just to, like, really fuck myself up, after I would do all that drinking, I would take, like, Tylenol or, like, NSAIDs, like, anti, um, not anti, uh, like, anti-inflammation type of medicine, and um, you know, just really fucked my stomach up so bad. But anyway, I'm glad you said that because sometimes I would feel like pathetic and judge myself for reminiscing so much, but it was just such a different life. Like we just, it felt so natural. And I know this sounds maybe silly, but it felt almost like the way life should be just like enjoyable. You're learning, you're seeing, you're meeting people. It felt I don't want to say stress-free because I do value stress and I do value challenges, but I don't know if that makes sense. No, it does. I think it makes perfect sense because we didn't, we didn't have the, what's like, we didn't have the responsibilities of work, like having to go to work or pay a mortgage or pay bills or anything like that. So I think we lived a pretty, for six months anyway, a pretty, Maybe not carefree, but less stressful than most people. So. Yeah, it was incredibly less stressful and so enjoyable. And I have to say, like, you were someone who I felt so fucking thankful to fucking meet you because you were 28 at the time. And yep. I was fucking 20. Holy shit. That's <laughs> Well, I turned 21 there for the record, which was so anticlimactic. I just want that to also be on the record. Like, turning 21, which is a legal age in the United States, in Europe, means fucking nothing, bit. <laughs> um, but anyway, 
I remember like you you kind of shook up the model that I had within my head and as well as most kids who are from the states it, it is high school and college high school you go to college right after and I remember when I met you you were like yeah I'm 28 and I was like you're doing your undergrad now like you could do that and you were just like I think you told me that you went into work straight after high school I feel like I remember it was like painting uh sort of so I left I technically I never finished high school so I left in um year nine so I don't know what the equivalent of that would be over there it would be like 15 or 16 um or sophomore, junior year. Yeah. Okay. And then went straight into the workforce. So I started working as a laborer on construction sites. Um, mm -hmm. And then worked all the way through to, so work construction and that up until 24, I think it was, 25. Um, and then decided that I didn't want to do that anymore. Like I was like, I'm not doing this the rest of my life. There's no way I'm getting up at like six in the morning to go paint a fucking house or lug <laughs> bricks around or, you know what I mean? Just be a shit kicker. Yeah. Um, so I just thought, fuck it, I'll just go to uni. So I enrolled in a Bachelor of Sports Coaching, got accepted, did three years of that, and then year, my second year was the, the exchange to Germany. Um, and then when I graduated with the bachelor's, I went and did a, I stayed on and did a grad certificate in performance analysis and then completed a master's um, uh, 2019. So yeah. it's funny because all the, some of the teachers are high primary school and high school and that, because I wasn't the best student, but they'd say, oh, you won't amount to anything and like, you'll just be a shit kicker the rest of your life digging trenches or whatever so now i think i've got more qualifications than a couple of them <laughs> which is a bit Ooh. of an ultimate fuck you so <laughs> so a bit of, bit of spite but yeah. so. thank you so much for sharing that man because that's wild i didn't know that you continued in school and did a master's and stuff i actually wanted to ask you i know you're working and it's like so it's 6 p.m. here and it's 10 a.m. there? Yep. Yep. Oh, my God. I crashed that. So it's 10 a.m. there. And when we spoke earlier on the phone today, you were doing work. So are you do still working within that industry or did you take a break? No, no, no. Still working in the industry. Um, so I am got went from coaching to uh, performance analysis is my title. So... I do a lot of um, like video analysis, um, filming, like training sessions, filming games um, of uh, rugby union. Sorry, I should have said that at the start. Um, no, it's cool. I didn't ask if it was still for rugby. Fuck yeah. Yep, yep. So in rugby union. Um, and then, and like I do a little bit with data, um, but I feel like that's probably an area that I need to get better at. Um, so yeah, it's a bit of a mix. So, um, a lot of filming, a lot of, um, analyzing videos and everything like that. And then some data thrown in as well. And then the coat, we speak with the coaches every day. So anything they need, um, they might ask for a specific, 
um, data set or um, specific events that happen in a match. So we'll just go back and get that for them and hand it over and, and they do what they do with it. So, um, yeah, so that's where I'm at at the moment, um, which is cool. I love love it. love what I do. So, um, I'm so happy for you. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> I'm not very good with compliments. So if I sound awkward saying thanks, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks. No, like I'm just so fucking happy for you, man, because I, I know how passionate you are about this stuff too. And I want to bring back a fucking memory. I don't know if you remember this because let's be real, like half the experience out in Germany, we were sweating um, vodka. But so... I did this presentation on Eugene Ball and I, I do want to share this and I'm happy to share more about it if you're curious, but I'm like, to uh, I can't say totally. I'm like really out of the industry. Like I just totally went to school for that because of what I was alluding to earlier after high school, you go to college and I just happened to pick fitness. It's definitely not my, um, passion so I'm not in the industry anymore I still have a couple clients here and there I just find it grounding at right now in my life because I don't know what the fuck I'm doing right now yeah. um so it's something that I am good at so which is why I stay a little part-time but I totally am doing a really harsh pivot but anyway I had a presentation on Uge and Bolt and I think I was comparing him to like um an Olympic sprinter from like a hundred years ago I don't know who that guy was but from way back in the day and how Eugene Bolt's like a hundred meter time, I think it was, was like sig not significantly, like it was a second faster, which is really significant in the context of a hundred meter sprint. And I remember I was like, you know, I think it's drugs. Like I just, <laughs> <laughs> which honestly, I, I still stand by what I say. I do think once you get to the elite level, there is doping. Like there just absolutely is. It doesn't have to be insanely dramatic. And I don't shame drug use, but I do think that there is absolutely drug use. And, um, you were like, I'm like in front of the whole class <laughs> giving this presentation that I barely fucking worked on, like at all. Like, I don't even know what I was saying. <laughs> and you were like, so clocked in and you're like, why is it so far-fetched that over the hundred years that man, why can't we just believe that like man evolved to get faster yep. and that it's evolution rather than drugs? And I remember when you said that, I had nothing to rebuttal you with <laughs> in front of everyone. I don't think I turned red, but like if I was a ginger, I would have been red. And I was like, um, you know, you're right a good point <laughs> just like shut it down no i think i i do recall that i think you were comparing him to was it jesse owens from the 36 uh, games Jared, i don't know and i don't care man <laughs> That's all right. but i do remember I that was with um dr king in his class from memory and then i th mm -hmm. think i got in a pretty heated debate with him about it and he said do you he asked me, do you believe that the athletes are clean? And I'm like, well, you can only take them on their word. Like, I'm not a drug tester or anything, so I'll just take them on their word. And he's, he replied with, they're all on, like, they're all on drugs or whatever and this and that. 
And I remember it, like, I was fascinated by it. So then that like, every time after that I saw him in the corridors or anything, I'd always bail him up for like five minutes just to continue really? that discussion. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, he was cool. But I do, yeah, do vaguely remember that. So sorry to put you on the spot five years ago. <laughs> oh, my God. No, you, you know, I have to tell you, like, I really appreciated that. Like at any time, I feel like you've done that a couple times too in the past. And I really, really fucking appreciate it. I don't mind the uncomfort at all. Like I'm, I'm totally down to like, look like an asshole and be like, you know what? That's a good point. I just think it's so fucking funny because like, just <laughs> like if I was to paint the exchange program with like just one sentence, it was like intellectuals and curious people who still studied but got really fucked up at the same time, <laughs> you know? Yo, yo. No, I found my – that was probably the biggest question, most most common question I got in the probably, I want to say like six to 12 months after I got back was what, mm-hmm. did, you, what did you learn, what was it like? What, would you, what did you learn was probably the biggest thing. And I – like the first couple of times I was like, oh yeah, like academically it was okay. The classes were pretty cruisy, this and that. And I'm like, then by the end of it, I'm just like, fucking hell. Like why even try and sugarcoat it? So then the next, like from there, whenever people ask me, I would just say, look, <clears throat> excuse me. In terms of like academic classwork, I can't tell you a fucking thing I remember. Not one. But what I did learn from it is how different cultures work, how different people interact with each other. Like I've made friends um, that I think I'll have probably the next, if not for the rest of my life, maybe the next 15, 20 years, 25 years. Um, I've had some people I met in Germany stay at my house. Like they come Mm -hmm. over, stayed over for a week or two. (laughs) One stayed for a little bit longer. Um, so I think he got pretty comfortable. So we were, that was Nick. So we were pretty comfortable with each other in Germany. So we got a house. Long I was going to say, do you fire. still talk to Nick? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he lived in Melbourne for a year and a half, a couple of years Holy ago. shit. Yeah. Seriously? Yeah, yeah. So he stayed with me. Him and his uh, girlfriend stayed uh, with us for, I think it was like a month, month or two. Um, so it was cool. And then I've been... To New York, caught up with you guys. Um, yeah, man, that was so fucking special when you came by. So it's just, it's those things. It's not, I don't look at it as a, a study tour. I see it as uh, a life experience that Absolutely. we've managed to sort of keep hold of all the good bits, I think, which were the people. So, um, and then others like we don't, but I'm sure like if I ever go to, Lithuania or something, I might catch up with, um, I can't remember his name, Eunice, Giannis or whatever yeah. his name was. Yeah, yep. Mm-hmm. So, or Japan or wherever everyone else is from. So, You know, we did, we also had such a special um, study abroad experience. Like, I, I don't know if it's like this in the context of like abroad programs in, in Australia, but for example, like, the programs that the American students go to, they usually stay with the host family. Yep. 
they don't they don't stay in the dorm and we had a whole dorm I remember in my dorm alone which we weren't in the same one but what were they called again ABC like dorm A A, B, C, and then there was D okay which one were you in I was dorm C Okay, you guys are so fucking fun. I mean, I say it like we didn't all hang out all the time, but I still feel like each dorm had like totally its own vibe at the same time. Yep. You were were you with Nick too in there? Yeah. yeah. So the and Alyssa. Yep. The rooms went. So it was Nick, Dale, Caleb, me, and we were all next door to each other. So it was, and then Elmir was at the end of the hall. And then we had a guy that was trying to do his masters next to me, and he hated us. Fuck, he oh hated God. it. Like, it was all right the think? first couple of nights, but then after that, um, yeah, when he got got wind of what we were like, <laughs> I think he was like, fuck this. <laughs> yeah, no, that was definitely, like, bad. Like, any master students who were in those dorms, like, they did not fucking sleep. <laughs> no, I feel, and it, feel a little it bit echoed, bad. Like, it echoed like crazy in there, and the doors would be so loud. Like, if you slam them, you could hear them from, like, a mile away. Um, What was I going to say? Why did I bring the dorms up? Oh, yeah. Like, so in my dorm alone, like, downstairs were two students from Turkey. Yep. And then upstairs was one German, one from um, Bulgaria, four from the States, and then one or two from England, I believe. Like, that's insane. Like my pals who did their study abroad program or exchange program who went to like Spain or Italy, they stayed with the host family where it was a, a two other exchange students and then a mom and dad. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah, I'm not sure. I don't know about that. Like I I'm thinking I'd be okay with that, but I think the dorms was pretty unique to the to the experience. So. The dorms was so good because it was four resident buildings packed with like students. Yeah, you know, yep. and we all got to like intermingle and stuff. And yeah, I like super super honor that time. And I remember when my dad was bringing me to the airport, he was like, "I want you to know," and my dad is very philosophical, very open-minded, progressive, um, worldly. And he comes from things from a grounded perspective. So when he says something to me, I know he's not, he's saying it from a sober place and not in, in the high of it all. And when he was dropping me off, he was like, I want you to know this is a once in a lifetime experience. And I was like, Oh, it'll come again. Like, what do you know? (laughs) And like, he was so right, yeah. you know? Exactly. I don't think, yeah, nothing like that will ever happen again. Yeah. So, but which, I mean, is also a good thing because it just means that there's other stuff around the corner that we get to look forward to. We just don't know what it is. Yet. Absolutely. So. Oh, my God. Hold on. Pause. Do you remember that I was, like, kidding around? I don't know if you remember this, but, like, towards the end where I was, like, we need a reunion and... I was saying Japan 2020. <laughs> like, we're literally planning, like, projecting a reunion for 2020. <laughs> Little did we know <laughs> how trash this, that year was going to be. I mean, this one is, we're not off to a really good start either, but. No. 
I have these things over there. I feel like I'm getting all the questions. I might just throw some pressure back onto you. Oh my god, dude! <laughs> how is well, New I... York, and how is in the the states the? Because it's it's like before. I don't want to cut you off before I, like your answer or whatever. I don't want to take over your show or anything, but I might just take over for like the next minute. Um, <laughs> oh my god, man! Okay, go for it. Okay. I I find I'm really interested to hear your point of view because all we get here is the like news and whatever. But I think there's a big bias towards making America look as bad as possible, and like they don't know what they're doing, and like they're fucking crazy, and all this sort of shit. Um, right. But like, I much, much rather hear it from people who are in the trenches over there, like got f- their feet on the ground. So totally. <sighs> okay, I'm gonna do my best to be concise and. Anytime you want to stop me, just stop me. Okay. Uh, for context, um, the Capitol was breached just a week ago. And I, I need to state that because this episode probably won't air for a bit longer. So the Capitol has been breached um, by the time this episode airs. And things are incredibly fucking tense. And like, I just want to state my mental health. I, I can't believe the dark depths that my mind has explored throughout this pandemic process. Um, So anyone listening out there, like you are so not alone. It's a lot to process a lot, a lot, a lot. So, um, okay. I am in New York. I am an hour outside of where we met when you came, which was Manhattan in New York city. Um, New York city is still ultra, ultra restricted in terms of all of New York. There's still masks. Um, I am in long Island, which is a bit more of a suburb vibe. So we do have indoor dining. Um, I do, I still work at a bar actually. The indoor dining is uh, 50% capacity and, um, you know, like there's still some type of movement, but we do have a 10 PM curfew now, which is absolutely killing the industry. Like no one's going out. Um, it's quite dead. And in the city, um, it became even more restrictive where just indoor dining is still completely cut. And it just, they introduced it a couple months ago and then the cases went up and I guess the governor is, um, correlating that to, you know, gyms and restaurants, even though basically what happened was he put out that curfew and was like, we're going to close indoor dining and have the gyms close early. And then all the gym owners were like, Hey governor, can you please show us statistics showing that, um, cases being drawn back out to gyms? Like it's just been so much back and forth stuff. Restaurants and small businesses have been closing left and right. I don't know uh, how else to, Put that. Um, I project that by the end of this shit show, like it'll just be like mostly corporations at this point yep. left. Um, mom and pop is just totally done. In terms of politics, like I'm incredibly, I'm just so incredibly disheartened right now because you can't deny the blatant difference in treatment that we are seeing from the government, depending on like who the group is that is protesting. I've said it like on my social media, I'll say it again. If that day at the Capitol, if it was anyone who was a people of color group, 
um, if they were LGBTQIA related, anything minority related who breached the fucking building, mm. they would have been mopping blood up the next day. Yo. It's just, it's so un- unfathomably, you can't deny that when you look at the security that they had there during the Black Lives Matter protests. And then when you look at footage, which I know can be tampered with, but only to a degree, there is such a big dissonance in how the government responded to those individuals that day on January 6th. And then to those of like the Black Lives Matter movement, just to use as an example. And there's a lot of tension, Jared, and there's just a lot of um, word going around now that there are protests being planned armed protests are being organized to have in the capital of every single state the day of the inauguration which is like yeah it's like super fucking horrifying um god i don't even know what to say like it it just fucked me up so bad and then and then it compounds because you have like people who you work with or people who like were in in your friend group who don't see why like certain things are wrong. Yeah. And then you start questioning your friendship with these people. Yeah. You know. So do you think if we hadn't have had the year, so if you what if, like if we take COVID out of twenty twenty for example, do you think that the reaction would have been the same? Or do you think that because people have been this that COVID has sort of added fuel to a pretty big fire that was that was burning away there in the background? Yeah, no, I agree with that. I do think I think what the pandemic did was it for example, like when all the stuff with George Floyd popped off, do you know about that? Yeah, yeah, that was huge here. That was massive. We had um we had rally, uh, rallies, marches, not rallies, sorry. People were marching in the streets and everything. I think it was that you could nearly classify that as universal. I'm not sure because I know it happened all over the world. There were um, yeah. marches for him and um, that really kicked off a huge movement to for the Black Lives Matter movement because um, I know at a lot of sporting events, like now athletes, it's sort of, taking a knee for a minute silence before they commence the match or commence a game or whatever. Um, right. And it's a whole team. So team sport. Everyone will – they still do it here with the cricket. Um, uh, before a match, I was watching the other day, they all took a knee for the first 45 seconds before the game started. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. So it was, it was massive here. So. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean – Okay, sweet. Thank you for sharing that. It's just, I feel like I knew it was universal, but I, I can't tell you how much, Jared, like I forgot that like a world existed outside of here for real. Yeah. Like I just, I feel like we've all been so bubbled into like, New York has been extremely bubbled into like just New York and just like the States have like literally been a garbage fire. And I do think that what the pandemic offered was Okay, so let's say the pandemic didn't happen and we were all still working and still had our outlets and still had our sports and dance and theater. 
and you know the shit with George Floyd came to light. I do think that a lot of marches would have ensued, but I do think that um, not as many people would have partaken in it because of being like, oh, can I have work or like whatever the case was, and it would have fizzled out. Where what happened was we had all the time in the world for those of us who weren't as educated in sociology, which I don't identify with because I was raised here a Muslim and a Turk post 9-11. So I've always, especially having an Arabic name, I've always been prone to like discrimination and shit. So I don't identify as like one of those people, but I feel like folks who are maybe more deep within their white privilege or like, you know, straight man, like cis man archetype, they had time to actually read up on this shit. And then when they did and they were what the pandemic offered was that time, that is what I think added more fuel to the fire. And I don't want to say fuel to the fire. I kind of want to say like more passion of being like, oh my God, this is so fucked up. Like, you know, when that happened with George Floyd, I remember I was like, duh, what the fuck do you guys think has been happening in this nation for all this time? Yeah. But I realized there was a whole nother heat of people where that was like their first awakening. You know? Yep. Yeah, definitely. So I do think the pandemic offered time to research. And then that research led to a lot of dark takeaways, a lot of harsh realizations, a lot of guilt of like, wow, I can't believe how, you know, unaware I was and shit. And then that added to the movement. Yep. Yep. Definitely. So then how have you been spending your time uh, during all of this? Have you been like working like consistent, like a couple of days a week or one day every or one shift here and there, depending on um, like other staff members or roster availability and stuff like that? Yeah, I mean, I was working, the thing is I was working full time in a nightclub which is probably the last, like as least essential as possible, (laughs) (laughs) you know, um, that was my full-time gig, man. I was working in a nightclub and I was actually pursuing commercial hip hop, um, in New York city, like by commercial hip hop, I mean hip hop dance. And I was basically like doing some gigs here and there and taking training classes and auditions like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then I would work the nightclub Friday, Saturday, and then like the bar again on Sunday, and that would be like my salary. Yep. Um, and so I didn't work at all for a really, really, really long time, which obviously fucked me up. Like I totally suffer from work addiction, and I, I do love to work too. And then we reopened in the summer. And I worked a bit, but then I had vocal surgery scheduled because I actually injured my vocal cords teaching fitness when I was still living in New York City. And that recovery took way longer. I'm six months post-operation, and I finally feel like 80, 90% to what I was before the injury. Um, So the recovery for that kept me from working as well. But I would say the past like three, four months, I basically work one day a week at a bar. Um, I picked up two private clients. I work with them. Yep. And outside of that, that's it, man. Like that's really it. I've applied to jobs left and right. I applied out of state. 
I've applied, not abroad, but just like out of New York, within New York. And I have been offered some stuff, but the pay is like right above minimum wage. And I'm like, I can't do that. Like I'm 25. Um, so yeah, I work's been really, really tough here. Yeah. 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 But I live with my mom. It's the only way I'm getting by. If I, if I didn't live with my mom, I probably would have succumbed to like a shit paying job by now. Um, but anyway, I really want to get back into what you were saying with like the COVID, how like Australia went about containing the pandemic. If you guys had people fly in to the, into the airports, were there tests there or no? Um, so what they were doing and like, you have to sort of excuse my night or my lack of knowledge on this sort of stuff. Cause I made a, well, I guess you could say like, I made a pretty conscious decision that when all this kicked off that I wasn't going to read too much into it. I was just going to mm-hmm. let it do whatever it did. And then every now and then I just flick the news, like have a look at how many cases we have today. We had yeah. 40 and I'm like, all right. So there's two more than we had yesterday, so we're not not tracking along as well. Or like you'd look at a couple of days later, and now we're down to 35, and I'm like, okay, things are improving. Um, but what they were doing, people that were coming back, so Australians that were coming back into Melbourne, they'd land at the airport, and then they'd be taken into a hotel for a hot, what they were calling hotel quarantine for two weeks, um, and that got things under control. So it went from March, when it kicked off, till I think like June, July. And then things started reopening. Like we got it down to a level of maybe um, like from 400 cases to, I don't know, six or something. Um, I'm sure if anyone wants to go and fact check all this, be my guest. So, <laughs> but we got it down there, yeah, single digits, and then we got, and then there was a big uproar because what had happened was one of the, I think it was like a security guard or something at the hotel contracted the virus and then left. So he just went, mm-hmm. ended his shift and he went home. Um, and then it spread. And then all of a sudden things started to just escalate again. And we were hitting like 200s, 300s a day. And then that's when we went into the second lockdown, second um, stage four. And we were the only state in Australia that did it at that time. So the rest of the country was open, but they shut all their borders right. for us. So we couldn't, like you couldn't fucking leave. You were basically stuck in Victoria for however long. Um, and that one hour, like leaving your home, like, you know how you're saying can only leave your home for an hour. Yep. How long did that go on? So that's, that came in at the second lockdown. So that's so when the country basically said Victoria's off limits, um, no one gets in, no one gets out, this is it, you, you're locking it down, etc. So we were, that was eight weeks, I think it was. Eight to nine oh. weeks. Um, Holy shit. And gradually what the, um, the state gov or the government, started to do was break it down so we didn't we went from like what if we got the numbers down below uh 10 of 20 
then we could move. We could stay outside a little bit longer. And then if we got it down to 15, then we could travel a little bit further. And it was just that like gradual process um, to where it got to a stage at Christmas where you could have 30 people at your house where eight months, uh, excuse me, not eight months, eight weeks before that, like you couldn't have anyone at your house. Like you couldn't, basically you couldn't fucking leave your house. So, um, so yeah, but now I think um, New South Wales and Queensland are starting to see a little bit something similar to what we went through. Um, and then the Western Australia have just shut their border to everyone. They've basically said, if you're coming in, you need an exemption. Um, if you leave, you've got to do quarantine, two weeks quarantine. Um, Darwin's open to everyone because of the heat. Um, apparently that's, um, has an effect, like it's not as effective or something in hot weather. I'm not a doctor, so I wouldn't know, but, (laughs) um, so yeah, so that's where we're at, but I just find it fascinating. It's interesting that a country that, and I'm sure you guys are the same, but there's a country with a, a leader, prime minister or a president yet. Every state has their own um, COVID policies and protocols sort of thing, which I mean you can yeah. sort of base it off um, different situations, different circumstances. So, Oh, my God, totally, dude. Like yep. you can't compare, for example, like the state of New York to like the state of like the Dakotas here. Like it's just it's not even apples to oranges. It's like fruit to shoes like they're just in completely two different categories so it is wild that like you really see how different the states are from each other in the protocol that they need to take even a city versus a suburb within a state you know yep yep definitely um i have to say and like again i know i sound like such an ignorant asshole i've just been so consumed with like the shit that's going on here and also mixed with like a ton of fucking denial and avoidance and just avoiding like reading up as well like you said i didn't realize that oz had it so strict like yeah holy fuck man i think we were one of the strictest in the world i think the stage four one stage four restrictions that we had here in melbourne um were some of if not the strictest in in the world so but i remember hearing about it because people were fucking whinging complaining about it and it's like fucking hell like like what do you like whinging complaining is not gonna change like a premier's his name is daniel andrews i'm like it's not gonna change his mind like what, what so what are you gonna achieve by pissing and moaning about you can't go out of your house for a fucking an hour and a half or whatever. You can't go to the shops, whatever. And I know everyone's situation's different. Everyone's experience with this was different and everything like that. But it's also like just take it for what it is. Like just got to write it out. And if it's it's hard, it's hard on everyone. Like this, no one that I've spoken to or heard from had a enjoyable experience through all this. It was hard on everyone. Everyone's going to have a story to tell. Um, so, but yeah, so that was our, um, what was I, oh, and so the reason, the reason I brought that up was I heard, I would need to double check this again, but I think in Chile, 
they were only allowed out of their house like twice a day. No, twice a week on like Tuesdays and Thursdays to go to the shops and all that sort of stuff. Um, in South Africa, they banned alcohol and cigarettes. So I'm not sure how like we'd go if people were banning shit like that. Um, Dude, the alcohol <laughs> consumption, the sales rate here has more than doubled. The liquor stores are thriving. Yeah, ours ours went to the roof as well. And Uber Eats and um, like I don't know if you guys have Eat now, which is like a competitor to Uber Eats. They skyrocketed because everyone was just like ordering in and um, and all that sort of stuff. So, um, but yeah, but I feel like. It's it's just gonna it, it's gonna hang around, like this thing isn't going away. So we're gonna either. Oh, yeah. did you have it by the way? No, no, no. I've had four tests, all negative, which are good. <laughs> Gnarly, good. Yep. I had it in March. I think I told you. It, is it like the flu? Is that what no, it feels like, or is it ten times worse no. or not as bad? The only thing that I'll uh, relate it to as the flu, the, I had the flu in 2018 and that strain was super ass. I've never had the flu besides in 2018. Yep. And it really whooped my ass. And I remember I didn't know if it was the flu or not and I lost a ton of fucking weight. I felt like a truck hit me and I finally was able to get myself to go to the doctor once I was recovered because I just didn't have the energy before to get out of bed like while I was sick. And she was like, did you feel like you got hit by a truck? And I was like, yeah, that's exactly how I felt. It, it felt gnarly. And she was like, yeah, this year's strain was really bad. So that's the only flu strain that I have to compare it to. What I will say is the only correlation between COVID and the flu, I would say, is just like how violent it was, like how violently ill I was. Yep. I didn't have a fever when I had the flu and I didn't lose smell and taste for over eight months. When I had the flu, like I just completely lost smell and taste. Um, it was great for my diet. It didn't matter what the fuck I ate, literally. I was having like this vegan protein powder. I just happened to have like vegan protein powder in my house and I could never have that shit just mixed with milk because it's straight up liquid sawdust. And um, I was plugging that thing back like it was nobody's business. I just couldn't smell or taste it. Um, additionally, I will say I have had a cognitive effect, I noticed. So basically when we're in conversation, if you were to take a tangent, it's really tough for me to bring it back to whatever we were talking about. And I never used to be like that. Like someone could be, take something on the tangent and I could always be like, oh, right. We were talking about this. I've noticed like a very significant increase in brain fog. Yep. So, and you, that's definitely been different. And you think that's a from the the virus? So I noticed it the second day of my fever. Yep. And I was like, it's. And I said to myself, I remember very specifically, I was in bed, and I said to myself. It's only because your body's so hot that you're having the brain fog. Yep. And I was like, once the heat 
once your body regulates its temperature, which it did. I had a fever on and off for two days. It was incredibly uncomfortable. Oh, I also had viral pneumonia. I should totally mention that. Like I had the shortness of breath too. I had like X, uh, chest x-rays and stuff. I was totally fine folks. Like I wasn't in the hospital at all, but I had, you know, just the whole nine. Um, so anyway, once the fever wore off, I was like, okay, like the fog should get better. I completely internalized, internalized it because it's not something that you can see or measure. And I was like, it kind of in denial. And I was like, no, okay. Like it's still kind of there. Maybe like once I test negative and I'm recovered, it'll be gone. Yep. And it just didn't. And my best friends who talk to me quite often, they started noticing like, in conversations, the fog that I would have and how I just couldn't fucking bring it back and remember what we were talking about if someone took it, the conversation, you know, on a left turn. And then I slowly started, I said something, I was actually in an interview for someone else's podcast. He is a nursing student and I was like, Brandon, has anyone like talked about any like cognitive effects and he was like not that I have heard of but I also had it the first wave on in mid-March like that shut down that's when I had it yeah yeah and now a lot of people have been coming forward and talking about brain fog and I was like I still struggle with it and I had it nine months ago so wow so what it's all good but so what would be like a a cure for that like, how would you sort of lift the fog, I guess? <laughs> Find the part I don't of know, man. Like, may, would it be know. like a, I don't know why, like meditations just come, just popped into my head for whatever reason. Um, maybe because you just sort of just sit with yourself and then that's, it concentrates on the mind and everything like that. Um, yeah. But I'm not sure, that's, that'd be interesting to find out what would, or what does help uh, clear that that fog, the fog, and what other you people have I, done? If I notice what did help me, I love that you say meditation. I think there's a lot of value behind that. I noticed that reading really helped. Oh, okay. Yep. But like not audiobooking, like actually sitting and reading, you know, paragraphs on paragraphs. Yep. Yep. No, I can't do audiobooks. I like, I need the. The feel of the paper. And then I can like draw and highlight things. I can't do that with the audio book. Are you, so. are you reading anything right now? Uh, I am reading Kitchen Confidential by Anthony Bourdain. And he released that in, uh, I want to say, 2000, 2000, I think, was the, original, the very first publication of it. And then from there he went, he went on to become like the Anthony Bourdain that the world would know, sort of thing. Because um, during the lockdown, I got right into his stuff, like all his shows and um, some podcasts that he's done. He did actually a podcast with Joe Rogan. It was the earliest one I've ever listened to. I think it was like thirty something. <laughs> 30 or 40 or something like Holy that. Shit. Yeah, so way back in the day. Um, so, yeah, just been fine. Just really been getting into a lot of his work at the moment. Um, just his outlook on life and the way he sort of 
treated every moment for for what it was and and made the most of every opportunity and everything like that. So, and I'd been meaning to get this book for for months, and I just saw it in a bookshop one day. I'm like, right, today's the day. I've seen it. This is meant to be. So I just went and bought it up, and away we go. So that's where um that's where I'm at at the moment. So. Yeah, like it found you. Yeah, exactly. Yep. I love that. Damn. I, I'm i like still wrapping my brain around how strict it was in Australia like that. I just, <laughs> I, 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 like, did you go, I want to ask you if you went off the deep end mentally, but I know you also had a separation, which definitely added to it. But like, did you go off the deep end mentally? Like, was everyone just going off the deep end? Uh, yeah, I mean, there were, there were times where it was, like, challenging, definitely, um, but it was just more still finding a routine and sticking to it, and I found that, so, but what I would do is get up, um, breakfast or whatever, and then take the dog for a walk, so that would be my hour sort of exercise outside. So I had a particular uh, walking track that we went and we did that every day. And then I'd come home and sort of plan. So it would either be like a, um, like a learning day. So I'd just watch webinars or do on, like a little online course or something like that. Or it might yep. be a connection day. So I'd reach out to other analysts from around the world in different sports, different areas, and just see if they wanted to have a Zoom um, for like half an hour, an hour, and just talk like how they're going at the moment, where they are, where they are in the world, um, talk about our work-life balance, everything like that. Um, other days, it might have been like a just go out and do some gardening or something, clean up the backyard, clean up the garage, and just like get shit in order, but it was always just try to keep yourself busy because I found that as soon as you sit down and you switched off, something would come up, like something would trigger it, and you'd just be miserable. You'd sort of start to go on that slope downward again. Yeah. So, um, which is probably why I avoided watching and listening about what was happening in that. So. Totally. Um. So yeah, that's yeah, that's what I try to do as much as possible was just keep myself busy and um. And then we worked. Uh, when was it? So yeah, I was still working at the time as well, which helped. Um, so I get like a few. Uh, small jobs here and there come through, which would keep me busy as well, which was good. So. Um, but yeah, that was just the main thing. Just stay active, keep busy, make the most of the hour that you were outside, whether that be take the dog for a walk or, um, take the kids up to, if you had kids, take the kids to the park or kick a footy or kick a soccer ball or whatever, um, whatever it was. So just make the most of it. So, yeah, like it's just crazy hearing you because you adjust. That's what you do. You adapt. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. It's like. Uh, I was actually thinking about getting a tattoo like on my wrist or like, I don't know, just somewhere to keep it close. 
I was thinking about tattooing adapt and overcome. Yep. And that was really inspired by like the lockdown because it was just like, you know, now that I think about it, even though we were allowed outside of our houses, there was, there was nothing to do. Like if the grocery store was the highlight of the day, you're probably only there for like under an hour anyway. So now that I think about it, like, we didn't have an app tracking us, which I think is like so wild. You had an app, like, so what if you didn't have a smartphone? Uh, <laughs> I don't think there's too many people in the world that don't have one now. So um, I'm not sure. I can't tell you. All I know and is like, that you when you left... had to download it, or you would get a fine. Yeah, and that, well, they use it more for like contract contact tracing. So you've got to open on your phone, say, and then you go to um, the supermarket, for example, um, and then if someone happens to have it there at the supermarket as well, then they can trace it back and then they can message the whoever will ring you or send you a message and say, hey, you're at this spot at this time, um, like you're at Melbourne Safeway or Coles, um, you were there at this time. We need you to go into um, self-isolation and you need to get a COVID test as soon as possible. Um, and then once they rule you out and then they just see how far it's spread. So, uh, so yeah. How many people got it? I'm not, I can't tell you. Um, yeah, all I know is that if you left the house with it, then it had to be open in the background so they could contract trace you. Like if you left the house as someone who was COVID positive? Oh, no, no, no. Sorry? Or if you left the house with what? Your phone? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Okay. Yep. And are you guys without masks now? Without what, sorry? Masks, like on your face? Oh, no. So they're still mandatory. Um, They were... No, uh, when was it? About three weeks ago, two, three weeks ago. Um, you only had to wear them on public, like train, public transport, so trains, trams, and buses. Um, in supermarket, uh, somewhere else, where you couldn't social distance, like if it was too hard. Right. Um, and then there was a fourth one, which I can't think of at the moment. But then we had a there was a little bit of a spike around New Year's in the numbers. So then the masks, mandatory masks came back. So now you've basically got to wear them anytime you leave the house. Um, which, I mean, it's fine. It's one of those things that you get used to. Um, it's funny. I was speaking to a friend, a mate of mine in Western. He lives in Western Australia. And this was sort of in the middle of it all and he's like well, how are you finding like the masks and everything i'm like mate honestly it's just another thing you check when you leave your house so if you go to work or you go to the supermarket or whatever you go okay i got my phone got my wallet got my keys got my mask so now it's just one of those things yeah um or if you go to the pub or like a bar oh yeah go to the bar or whatever it's like, right, I got um, phone, wallet, mask, done. We're set. So, um, so yeah, so that's where we're at. So, I mean, 
Masks are fine. I don't have an issue with them. Do you guys have anti-maskers or anti-vaxxers <laughs> there? Yeah. Yep. Some, oh my god. Sometimes. Not just an American thing? No, 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 no. Sometimes they have um, rallies or whatever. But there's like, there's like a hundred of them. And the rest of them, like I reckon the rest of Australia are just going, what the fuck are you doing? Like, <laughs> no one... No one gives a shit. And you're the people that are fucking this up for everybody else. Because if you guys get sick, then you fuck it for us. Because now we have to abide by all these other restrictions and all this sort of stuff. So, right. yeah, I think we're, I just laugh at them. I'm like, you obviously have nothing better to do with your lives. But to hold up a picket sign and complain about how hard your life is So when you live in, live in Melbourne. So I can think of worse places to live. <laughs> Absolutely, it's like tr- it's like a privilege mania for sure. Oh, exactly. Like yep. I don't mean Melbourne, but I mean like folks like that. Like if they're just so deep within the depths of like how good they got it that there's no like sense of I, I don't want to say gratitude, but there's no sense of like like relative consciousness. Like oh, relative to X, Y, and Z. You know what? We actually have it pretty good here. Maybe we should just comply and like wear these masks even if we don't believe in it let's just fucking do it anyway like whatever will help this progress yeah um a lot of people say that the masks are like um cause like acute respiratory problems and i'm like you know it's been on nine months i'd love to hear about any of these acute respiratory cases (laughs) i'd love to hear but i will tell you when i was covid positive i totally woke up in the middle of the night um short of breath how would, that would have been scary as fuck. You know what? I have to tell you, it was a little scary. So I, my dreams are like super, I'm very connected to them. So the night of, of my fever, I had a dream that I was in the dance studio and I was like wicked hot. And I was telling the dancers like, you guys, I'm so hot. Like I keep drinking water. Like it's not helping. And I woke up and I was shivering and sweating at the same time. And then a week later is when the shortness of breath kicked in. I had a dream that I was in a testing center yep. and it was really, 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 really quiet. And like, I had to hold my breath to like not make noise because it was just such a quiet testing center. And I woke up short, short of breath. And I was like, Oh, my lungs are on fire. Um, and that was a little scary, but you know, I feel like when you as a human being, is pushed when you're pushed to like something that's kind of challenging like that, not mortality facing. I didn't feel that way in that moment, but like potentially I like, I feel like I tapped into like my inner divine and it was just like, stay calm, like stay calm and you will prevail. And it, it's just what happened. Yeah. You know, I just chilled out and I, I recovered fine. Wow. So do you feel like you were sort of, do you reckon you were pushed, past limits that you didn't know you have or you didn't know you could go to that push your the your body couldn't go to that extent that makes sense of like being have like of like having that virus yeah or just in general like being sort of overrun by an illness or something but you still had the strength to tell yourself stay calm like deep breaths, whatever. Yeah, I think 
You know, I think my dad, it just brings me back. My mom is like a massive panicker. She's really strong and like ultra resilient and like super traumatized too. I just want to mention that from all of her immigration <laughs> shit from Turkey, but she's more of a panicker. And my dad is a really cold blooded person. And I remember when I was younger, he they're divorced and they kind of fucking hate each other. And my dad was like, don't fucking be a panicker like your mom. Stay cool. Stay cool. You have to keep your blood cold because the panic will ruin you. Yep. And I remember I was wicked young when he said that to me, maybe like seven or eight, but it really resonated. And I just kept it with me. And I think it's that philosophy kind of became a pillar. And it's just what I... It, it, it just what it's what I reverted to when I was like freaking out on the deep on the inside. I just was like, don't panic. I didn't think I even questioned, can my body handle this? Can I not? I just said, don't panic. Keep it cool. Yep. If anything happens and you have to go to the hospital, you'll go. If and I think I have a peace, an inner peace, where I'm like, if I die, I die. Like it's the expiration date is here. So I think like. It sounds bleak, but it's really not. I think it's just like accepting what is out of your control. Yeah, exactly right. And controlling what yeah. you can control, which is, I think, probably a better way to sum up how I uh, went through this whole this whole thing. It's like I can't control what's fucking happening outside my four walls. So why am I going to worry right. about um, fucking case numbers or this or that what i can control is cooking dinner or taking the dog for a walk or looking after myself looking after family friends like by just staying in touch with everyone that's what right. i can control so um so yeah no i i like that point i really like that point just uh controlling what you can and letting the rest work it out, work itself out so, yeah, and uh, like not to refer to the Bible, but like the wisdom to know the difference of those two things. Yeah, because yeah. we can get really lost in that too. And when you talk about the four walls, it's like those four walls also exist in between your ears. Yes, that's yep. another four walls that you can really only control what goes on in there. And I think now that we're talking about it and saying it out loud, I think that's why what my dad said to me so young really resonated because it has to do with knowing the wisdom of what you can and can't control and one being panic. Yep. You know, not that I'm saying it's easy to control panic. It's fucking not. Like, panic attacks are real. Anxiety is real. But the way that he molded me from so young to be like, you need to learn how to talk yourself off the ledge. There are several panic attacks that I totally talked myself off the ledge for, and they just, they didn't ensue. They didn't happen. Um, so it's funny. I, I just had a moment there tying those together. No, that's cool. I like that. Yeah. I could keep you all day, man, but I know you're like working. Are you working like today? Uh, so today's a technically a rusted day off, but I'll do a little bit. To catch up on a few bits and pieces and then we're back into it tomorrow gotcha. which will be good so um and the weather's pretty nice out here today so might go for a stroll a bit later on oh yeah you guys are heading into summer right yeah yep so we're starting to hit the 
the high 30s. Um, I don't know what that is in Fahrenheit. I'm, <laughs> I'm not sure, sorry. Um, like we had a 39 degrees yesterday or the other day. Um, and then, which basically means that the, the 40s aren't too far away. Oh my god, that's 102 degrees Fahrenheit. Holy fucking shit. You could crack an egg out on the pavement. Yeah. So we're we'll um we'll get some 40s soon, I reckon. So like 41 to 43. It gets that hot over there? Yep. Yep. 43 is 109 degrees, people. What the flying fuck? What are you doing that heat? You go to the beach? Nothing. You do not do anything. <laughs> It's, just, it's too hot to go to the beach. Like, you'd burn your feet on the sand. It'd be horrible. And then if it's windy as well, that's just the fucking worst. Because you've got all this heat and this wind. And, you know, the best thing to do is just put an air, air conditioner on, sit in the lounge room. Yeah, catch up on it. Catch that's up on Netflix. <laughs> yeah, totally. Damn, I did not know it got that hot. That's like Texas over here, which is like far from us you know yep um oh dude i miss you so much man oh i miss you too this has been good i've enjoyed this immensely so we definitely have to do it again sometime yeah so. for sure we maybe we'll record like another one a couple months from now and just like see like where we're at in terms of like maybe it'll be like a like a like a u.s citizen and an australian citizen like has a little chronological like at, like periodical update chat like <laughs> once every four months or something like that yeah definitely no that, i'd love that it's been cool so okay. sweet and keep doing what Dude. you're doing this is um i think this is a an awesome platform and i think your personality and everything you're you're made for this sort of stuff so i can't wait to hear i don't think i'll listen to this one because i don't think i could listen to myself <laughs> but i will definitely listen to the other episodes that you put up and i look forward to seeing your work and, and seeing where you go next. It's, it's, um, it's going to be exciting. So. Oh, thank you so much, Jared. Thank you for coming on the show. Um, is there anywhere we could find you? I feel like you're kind of incognito online. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I went off social media, um, basically right. at the start of the pandemic, I was on Twitter and then I saw a video. I can't, I can't remember what the video was, but anyway, someone heard a dog and I'm like, that's it. I'm out. I'm done. See you later. So that was it. That was the straw that broke the camel's back. Um, but you can, I'm on LinkedIn. So if you want to get me there, um, throw us a message or whatever. I'm more than happy to. Jared Rutley. Yep. Yep. Talk to, okay, talk sweet. to anyone and then go from there. Thank you so much for coming on the show, pal. No, that's all right. Thank you so much for having me. I've really enjoyed it. And that's a wrap. Thank you so much for tuning in. Be sure to check out our website, humanexperiencepodcast.com. Heads up, the A in human is an X. If you would like to connect with me directly, you can email me, humanexperiencepodcast at gmail.com. Again, the A in human is an X. Feel free to share any thoughts, comments, or if you would like to be on the show, I would love to hear from you. Until next time, folks.